Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and Tech podcast, a roundtable discussion with leading WordPress tech experts. Here's your hosts, Jonathan Denwood and Andrew Palmer. Welcome to the WP Tonic WordPress and Tech podcast. It's episode 668, and we've got a special guest today, which is Sharon Yates from the Creative Mouse Studio. So welcome, Sharon Yates. And we have got almost a full house with Heather Wilde, Stephanie Hudson, Sally Getch, Spencer Foreman, and Jonathan Denwood. Please introduce yourself, Jonathan, first, I think. Oh, thanks, Andrew. I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We build um, websites and host them for e-learning entrepreneurs, education um, colleges, or anybody that wants to um, educate online. Back over to you, Andrew. Perfect. Sharon Yates, I've not met you before, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people in our community haven't either. So introduce yourself and uh, welcome to WP Tonic Podcast. Thank you. Hi, I'm Sharon Yates. I am a Texan in Galveston, and I uh, run a studio called Creative Mouse Studio, which I uh, specialize in WordPress and WooCommerce websites. Perfect, perfect. Spencer Foreman, tell us about yourself. It's Spence from WPLaunchify.com. And, Brilliant. and I'm Stephanie earlier, Hudson. I know Sharon a long time. She's going to be a great guest on our show. All right, is that part of your introduction? You're ruining me now. Stephanie Hudson, tell us about yourself. <laughs> and I better be quick. He's tough today. Uh, I'm Stephanie Hudson. I am the co-founder of Focus WP, where we help... Uh, agencies and freelancers to scale their businesses with our white label outsource services and come hang out with us in our Facebook group, Focus on Your Biz. Brilliant. And Heather Wilde-Renz, we haven't seen you for a while, have we? I can't remember. <laughs> You've been on a cruise. You're looking a little bit tanned. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am Heather Wilde-Renzi. I am uh, from the CTO of The Difference Consulting. And uh, yes, I am just back from Mexico. Perfect. And so Getch rhymes with Sketch, the last guests to introduce themselves and then I can get into the content today. I'm Sally Getch, WP Fangirl, organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup. Perfect. What a lovely, lovely we have here. Now, I've lost my way here, so I just need to, uh, I'm going to start off with what I want to start off with, which I think is important. It's worth... You need, you, you need to... Oh, no, I need to do something else. Okay, shush. Um, and thanks for the guest introducing ourselves, and I've got time to catch up on myself. <laughs> on to our sponsor, Castos. Hi there, folks. I just wanted to tell you about our major sponsor, and that's Castos. If you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you need a top quality podcasting platform, and that's what you get with Castos. It has a superb interface, really easy to use, and you're not penalised for success. They have a flat rate pricing structure. Don't matter how many podcasts you make, how many downloads you achieve, you just pray at one fixed rate with Castos. Plus there's support and just the quality of the people are just amazing. And we're back from that sponsor announcement. We've got a few other sponsors on there, but specifically Castos have supported this podcast for a long time and they've got special offers and if you want to go and see them they're at wp-tonic.com forward slash recommendations where you can see all of the other sponsors as well right i want to go on to this one first because i think it's important it's the implications of wordpress joining the block protocol now if anyone doesn't really understand this i think spencer foreman is going to start this one off for me tell us what they mean by this well, in a nutshell, this is another example of how words are used in multiple ways. So block protocol is not just talking about Gutenberg blocks. It's basically a protocol that would apply to allow theoretically data to be shared across multiple platforms that are using this transportation vehicle. In my view, while this sounds really sexy on first glance, it reminds me back to the days of... 2006, when the world was promised that open off would be the way that everybody would log in to everybody's site and share data between the social media platforms that existed at the time, you know, the baby Facebook with the big Google and the soon-to-be YouTube. But then the, re the reality clocked in, and we realized that each of the 
individual walled garden companies had no interest in actually sharing data across their platforms in such a way, and it became a very one-way street. So while I absolutely am in favor of block protocol in the WordPress ecosystem, I feel like using that in this global way or what it really means here is a bit of a fairy tale, at least for the time being, and that likely the world will pass by this whole web interface thing into some other method of sharing data that makes us, uh, you know, obsolete anyway, because we'll all be sharing headless this or meta that or, you know, virtual reality something. All right. Sharon, you're a web developer as well, a web designer. I mean, how are you getting on with Gutenberg? Do you love it, loathe it? Is it Marmite? What do you think? I don't even touch Gutenberg. I have once in a while, but I don't touch it very much because I am a big Elementor user. So, but the block protocol I'm very familiar with, I used to, when I was in a corporate world, this is what we did. We reused a lot of elements all the time. And that was the way that we tried to get our developers to work so that they weren't uh, wasting time. I get it. So what, what I think this is, is all about Matt saying, Gutenberg is bigger than WordPress. And Heather, you're part of the difference, right? So you 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 know, there's things that are going on there, you're WordPress people. But do you use other platforms where you think the Gutenberg blocks or the block protocol might be appropriate, like in Notion or in any kind of uh, like ClickUp or or even Squarespace? So um some of our clients, uh, I mean, because we develop sites like kind of based on what the clients will need and like with the eye towards eventually handing off uh, eventually for what they will need to handle themselves. So um, some sites will develop in Squarespace for them because they have like little to no uh, technical ability at all. Um, we also use Duda for a few of them. And like, th that's where I see this coming into play most of all, because like Duda is, is like, can, like you can use a lot of the development front end. Um, it's uh, like, it's AWS based. Um, it allows you to use, um, I mean, they have a flex builder and um, I mean, you can, you can put uh, react blocks in there um, you can move things right from Figma into it, um, which is a lot easier when you have like a Figma design and try to move it over to WordPress. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so I mean, if WordPress got to the way of like being able to just like import from Figma, um, which is where I'm seeing this, like if, if Matt gets to like take blocks from Figma, put into WordPress, that would be the, the dream. Or take blocks from anywhere and put it yeah. into WordPress. Or... Don't you think that this all like WordPress started, from anywhere to anywhere? Isn't this a problem though of like the Gutenberg blocks in themselves all being done within this very small mind circle of WordPress versus can we all just agree to use a framework like Figma, Duda, whatever? Like in the past, we were talking about using Bootstrap. Bootstrap. If we could all just agree on something, then everybody can make components that could actually be transportable. But the problem is always in the details, right? Like. Gutenberg is still a shit show when it comes to even figuring out what's the standard, let alone talking to other people's stuff and importing. Yeah, so I mean, every, every time I talk to my developers, like they hand me a, a, like a beautiful Figma design or they hand me something in Illustrator and then they hand me something. And no matter what it is, no matter what I have to build it in, whether it's Squarespace or Duda or WordPress or whatever, I'm just like, I'm just going to have to eyeball it. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Make it out of blocks. Make it out of CSS <laughs> with blocks. Well, I agree with Spencer that there's, you know, Gutenberg's not even where it would be. I mean, just like I, I was saying in my previous career, we developed, but we were using Bootstrap to develop, you know, reusable code so that our team could always, you know, use, uh, move stuff where we needed to move it. So, you know, Gutenberg is not even close to that. No, I'm going to I'm going to leave the last word on this one to Sally because you love Gutenberg and how how much would you love if a client comes to you and say, look, I've got a Squarespace site and God forbid a Wix site or a Duda site. Good luck. I want I want this block in there and it's only in Gutenberg. What you know? How do you feel about that? Because that's what this is about. It's basically making Gutenberg transportable. I think it would be wonderful if it was transportable. I wish it was transportable to Joomla right now because I have a there, there's a site that I'm involved with that unfortunately is stuck on Joomla and 
uh, it gets more frustrating as it goes on. Do you have a time machine? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, practically. <laughs> I, um, but, uh, you know, I think the idea is wonderful. The author of the article rightly points out that commercial uh, <clears throat> enterprises like Notion and Medium would really not have any incentive. They know that they that they want their stuff to be proprietary. They don't want people to be able to take it elsewhere. Uh, I think it would be great to be able to do that. And uh, uh, Heather, I know somebody who's got a um, Figma to a Gutenberg tool of some kind. It's still kind of experimental, but uh, I, I'll uh, hook you up. Perfect. Right, I'm going to move on with this one. We're going to stay, stay with WordPress because, and this is very appropriate for Stephanie because she runs uh, Focus WP, which is a maintenance um, company or a, a care plan company for agencies. And Clarity Adblocker was on the WP Tavern, and they were talking about the fact that plugins and themes just drive us mad with notifications. Are you driven mad by it, Stephanie? Would a, would a plugin like Clarity that blocks those notifications help you? Or keep your I, temper? Or keep your developer's temper? I hate cluttered admin. I hate it. Uh, but, like, a lot of that stuff you kind of have to see. Or, like, the point mentioned in the article, I mean, it's just kind of a jerk move to do, you know? It's like, you're going to use freemium stuff. You're going to use free products. That's that's how you pay for it is by getting served ads. And that's just kind of a jerk move, I think, to put something in there and block them. Um, the, it, it could have some use for client sites because clients freak out when they see everything. But the way I view it is that's part of our care plan. Duties is to go in there and clean all that stuff out. And it takes about 10 seconds. So, Gotcha. I gotcha. What, what I don't like the most is the... Is the, is the uh, when you've got Jetpack on a site and it tells you your site health and clients panic about that. Mm -hmm. Sharon, what, how do you feel about these these ads coming up? You know, you're a developer. You 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 know have to access websites all the time, and these plugin developers are just going, "Buy me now. Do you like me? Tell me, give me a review. Tell everybody about me. You know, love me, love me. What do you think? Sort of like my cat, but not as cute. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I kind of agree with Stephanie, too. I mean, if you're going to be using free items, that's the way they get, you know, their advertising. But as a developer, yes, it does bother me a lot, especially if, you know, everything is popping up all of a sudden. Um, so I do look for something that tries to hide that because it does irritate me, you know, especially when I've got to close them down every time just to get my space back. <laughs> Yeah, and but it's not just free plugins that do it. You know, there are some premium no. plugins that, that, that bug you all the time. Jonathan, what, you know, how do you feel about this? And and I've got a friend of mine in the in the business, Jonathan Bodsinger, he used to be a developer on Elegant Marketplace when I ran that and helped me build a few plugins as well. And he he's already got one out there, which is um WP Notify, and it's a it's a project on um uh GitHub. He's got it on the WordPress GitHub or whatever it is. And um there, there was no con controversy when he was developing it, but now this one, Clarity, has got a little bit of controversy around it. Maybe it's because it's been recognised by WP Tavern? Yeah, um, I think, it, you know, we touched on this last week on Spencer, and um, it's just a consequence of something larger. It's a consequence of what Spencer said last week, that, you know, the reality is people make money from WordPress free plugins. And when you're supposed to produce this plugin for free and then support it forever, it's just nonsense. It just doesn't work out. So people then want a premium, they want to get it into the directory because that's that's how you publicize your plugin. And then you need to monetize it because you've got to make money. You've got to pay your mortgage, your children's education, all the other things. So because God cool. forbid you just make a good enough product that people would <laughs> want to buy the pro version be, because it has uh, uh, features that they need. Well, I see what, uh, yeah, but that, 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 no, no, I'm going to uh, override everyone here. I, I'm host. I'm going to take this one. <laughs> I don't think that's the case at all. The WordPress mentality, developer mentality is trial by fire and trial by free, right? And if it's free forever, 
we've we've got lifetime deals out there and everything and, and i agree that you need to monetize these things being a product developer and a product owner of course i agree that you need to monetize these things but you also need to have a very subtle or a more subtle way of saying please buy me right so if you if you have a function that is required for the pro version keep that function in there let it be clickable and say well actually you need the pro version for this upgrade don't don't put it in the dashboard there's so many different ways that we as product developers can can not hassle our people um and on that note i'm going to move on because this is the tech part i had the last word there it's great you've been, been having a lot of the conversation that's brilliant i love being the host on this because i'm taking over i'm going to ask heather's uh view on this because being the former CTO of Evernote and people being rewarded for um, getting lots of customers and increasing stock value even if it's not IPO'd. Apple investors are urged to vote against Tim Cook's hundred million dollar payday. What do you reckon? So this is always a difficult thing because you see that um, when you see these high numbers um, you're always like oh my god like how how crazy is that? Because people, I mean, most people will never see a hundred million dollars or even a million dollars in their life. Um, so when, but when you're thinking in terms of how much value Tim Cook has brought to Apple, um, it's, I mean, it's just chump change. So, I mean, from a board perspective, uh, from a company perspective, you have to think: Is he worth that? And I mean, he's brought, he's made Apple one of the first trillion dollar companies since the Rockefellers and the Carnegies and like those industrialists. So, I mean, I think absolutely he is worth that money. That was Tim Cook. (laughs) No, I mean, think about it. Like, I mean, even more than Steve Jobs, because Steve Jobs was volatile. Steve Jobs brought Apple bankrupt twice. Yeah. Tim Cook had to, be, had to be rescued by Microsoft. For goodness yeah. Sake. yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't until he, like, Steve Jobs, like, got behind Pixar and like did that. And I mean, like, he he actually like brought another company bankrupt with the whole next thing, like yeah. before he got, before, like, he failed so many times before he actually got a good. But Tim Cook has just steered that ship so strongly to become the new robber baron and i think he deserves to be paid for that okay so who's i'm going to ask for volunteers here who doesn't agree that he should be paid a hundred million dollars a year um i, I don't have an opinion because i don't know what heather knows so you can i'm gonna go, go to spencer me out. <laughs> why don't you agree spencer you're a capitalist and an entrepreneur i i i 100 have full faith in Heather's logic and her experience in this regard, but I'm going to use a metaphor of a baseball team, okay? <laughs> or let's use the, the the Chicago Bulls when Michael Jordan was on it, okay? <clears throat> There's those who can argue that the collaboration of the five players, including Michael Jordan, you don't have to be a basketball person to know what I'm talking about. They won five championships, was the reason. Or it could have been the coach, or it could have been the owner. But the problem and what I think Heather is saying in my view of it is that Tim Cook didn't do this by himself. Yes, he was on the bridge like a big captain of a ship or like, you know, the, the coach of the Bulls or like the owner, the, whoever you want to pick. But the players made the plays and the audience and the energy. There was a collaboration of lots of individuals. And here the problem I see is that within a certain reasonable range, if everybody's happy in the workforce... You can pay the guy a trillion dollars. Who cares? But they clearly have some real big problems at the worker level that are being ignored at the same time you're publicly giving this guy $100 million. And I think that's where I feel that the problem lies. You you have like an Enron scenario. You have a political problem where you can't reward one person, even if he's the CEO, while the other people are clearly suffering because that's just blind to the reality of what's going on. And shareholder value over everything else is one of the problems that we struggle with using the term robber barons. And it's something that corrected back at the turn of the century. 
with the Carnegies and the rest of the ones, the Rockefellers, they came in and corrected the situation because those individuals were getting rewarded and had a monopolistic position. And we talk on the show all the time about Bezos and so forth. So like sticking, you know, your, your, your fingers out like this to all the workers while giving the CEO $100 million does not acknowledge the reality, even though it is true, I agree that Heather is correct. He's done an outstanding job of navigating in a, in a world where other companies have failed, but he's not literally doing it by himself. Sharon Yates, you're a normal person. You've got a normal business. I'm going to let Stephanie in in a second. Yeah, how do you feel about this guy getting $100 million for leading a company to 400% growth since he's been there? Well, I'd like a part of that. But, <laughs> but like Spencer says, you know, there is a team behind that. It's just it, he is not – he is leading – and hopefully he is, you know, doing a great job at that, like Heather says. So, so you know, he's probably earned his worth. Um, but the, I would also hope that along with what he's getting paid, that the team that is under him is also getting paid as well. <laughs> and they are proportionally. Yeah, and maybe that's an issue. They need to announce that as well, you know. The I, uh, can I say can I say something? Um, you, you are. You, I was just about to let you in, so just sit back, relax. <laughs> I'm the host. You always seem to forget oh. this. <laughs> right now, Jonathan Denwood, what's your opinion on this piece? Well, I, I think it's linked to hubris. So I think it's linked to the business community being over believing their own storyline. You know, when you when you're talking about sports sports people or celebrities, entertainers, their career, they can reach the heights and then suddenly their career, they can get an injury, they can be out of vogue with Hollywood and their career effectively can be ended. So it's a high-risk, high-reward occupation to be a sports individual or to be involved in entertainment it's just go when it comes to business we have as a society not only in america but in other parts of the world have put these business individuals on a on a pedestal which is unrealistic and like what spencer said they they are effective managers they are not sports, unique sports individuals or unique um, entertainers. If they feel they are, it's hubris. They um, they are effective managers. They're not even entrepreneurs. I classify myself as an entrepreneur. It's a different mindset than running an enormous company like Apple. Which, which uh, again has its own responsibilities and its own risks. But this is off at the at the ankles. You know, they're saying, right, you your returns this quarter. You know, you made us lose. You know, I don't know what's happening with the Zoom guys, but I'm sure that there's a CEO or, or chief operating officer that's getting a bit of a telling off from last week. So I'm going to move on to Stephanie's got something to say on this. Now you're not really money motivated to that degree, but how would you feel about hundred million a year pay? like the numbers are all pretend at this point like they're so big that it's just nuts like it almost doesn't even mean anything but i agree with um some of the comments here that like if like it's the most valuable company in the world like if any ceo should be getting a hundred million dollar bonus or whatever that could is like it should be him it's the most valuable company on the planet but also that it should trickle down and you shouldn't have issues with workers that can't get enough sick time or that can't, you know, afford to buy their own home or things like that. When you get underneath somebody, then that that's where it becomes so disproportionate that it's it's just that's where it starts to feel wrong. The number itself isn't really the issue. It's how it how that is how they're treating their people. Do any of you guys follow Dan Price on Twitter? Yeah. He's yeah, he's so good. He's the guy who the gravity guy, know, right? The gravity payments guy, yeah. And he did um he has like his minimum wage for all his employees is seventy thousand dollars a year. And people thought like you're gonna go bust, blah, blah, blah. And his company like tripled. And he's got tons of you know, like 
staff loyalty and all this stuff. But his his Twitter thread talks a lot about um, like how there's a lot of businesses talking about like inflation, but it's really just, you know, corporate greed and, you know, like they're raising prices. And, you know, if if that starts to affect uh, the consumers and the other employees where it's like, oh, well, your iPhones are now going to cost $2,000 instead of $1,000 because uh, all these parts are so hard to get. And P.S. we're also going to give him a hundred million. You know, like that's where it starts to get like unbalanced if they but I mean, their their phones are insanely expensive, but they haven't really increased in price dramatically over this same period of time either. You know, so it's like as long as the proportions are in place, then who cares? Like, what do you what are you going to what's he going to do with 150? Like, it's just so much money. It's just like insane. The only thing I don't like about their pricing policy is that it's it. It's if it's six hundred dollars in the US, it's six hundred pounds in the UK. <laughs> yes, I know, and you know, they, so it makes you know an iMac is really expensive in this country. It's yeah. two and well, a half. Well, it's really expensive here. It's yeah, even but it's more two and a half thousand dollars or two and a half thousand pounds entry fee. You're for, paying for, for, for the an keyboard. Entry level iMac. Pardon me. You're paying for the different keyboard. You want you want your keyboard to have the pound sign on it. Right, well, I've got the mute key here. You, you know, you can you can. <laughs> Straight away, me. <laughs> right. I think it's about time for a little. I literally, break, never I thought about that. That that doesn't have the. Oh, well, I lived in Britain for keyboard. two years. The keyboard is different, and 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 it it takes a little time to get used. It's to. so annoying. When I went to school in England, it was just like, oh no, where's all my right? Oh, I didn't know you went to school in England. <laughs> There you go. Oh, right. there we are. That's why, that's, hear, that's why she laughs at We're just going to have an interview with Heather. Her history is very interesting. Oh, we have to have Heather. Um, go on, sorry. Am I allowed to go to this break or not? What's going yeah, on? Should, yeah, right. of course you are. So we're going to go for a little break. Thank you very much for listening. Hi there, folks. Are you looking to build modern shopping cart landing pages using the power of WooCommerce for yourself or for clients? And you want to do that quickly with little need to know about hand coding. Well, if the answer is yes, and it should be, I've got the perfect answer for you, and that's Launch Flows. Launch Flows is the most modern and easiest way of building modern landing shopping pages for your clients. It also works natively with Gutenberg and the leading page builders like Elementor or Divi. It's really flexible, really powerful. I'm Bertha, an AI-based writing assistant to help you write better content on your WordPress website. In just a few clicks, you can ask me to help you write outstanding content for your website that's guaranteed to convert, from blog posts to landing pages to product pages. Never be left with that blank page again. You can try me for free on Bertha.ai. See you soon. And welcome back to the WP Tonic podcast show, which is WordPress in tech on a Friday after Friday morning or Friday afternoon in the UK for me. And uh, the basic conversation has been around Apple and technology and WordPress and all kinds of things like that. But what are we doing about listening to podcasts ourselves? Who's in Spotify? We'll have a show of hands and and a vocal show of hands as well for our listeners. Spotify is acquiring two major podcast tech platforms They've made a couple of uh, faux pas, really, on a couple of podcast platforms that they've they've had in the past. And we've just had news today that one big past person is leaving Spotify. She's had enough. What do you reckon to Spotify acquiring podcast tech platforms? What's that all about? Sharon Yates, do you listen to podcasts or just appear on them? <laughs> I do listen. I, I have several that I like to listen to. Um, not to... Uh, what do I think about this little situation? Well, I say, you know, that what makes them better is awesome. You know, they, they've purchased a lot of other apps as well to help, cre- help create their, their platform a little better. So, you know, if this is going to help them a little more, I'm, I'm all for it. Although I'm not a huge fan of having to buy premium just to not get commercials. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of that, but, um, you know, that's the way uh, Spotify works. So you got to deal with it if you don't want to pay. 
You do. Now, Heather, you listen to uh, a lot of podcasts because you travel the world. You sometimes can't use your computer. You'd like to keep up with podcasts. Do you listen to Spotify? Are you, are you a pro subscriber or a free listener? Uh, free listener. <laughs> so cheap. You're so cheap. Outrageous. Well, so my, uh, you know what? My husband listens to more podcasts than I do. Um, like I'm a reader. I don't like audio, like in ah. general. So I, I read books and I generally don't listen to podcasts. Oh, I thought we were for listen. all those times you have to do something. I thought we had a chat eyes. about listening to podcasts. Sally, you listen to podcasts, don't you? I listen you, to you, I listen to podcasts when I drive, when yeah. I cook, when I do housework, when I do things where I can't be reading, basically, because I am a, a, a fiction junkie. Um and a video I mostly don't like. Uh so uh I listen to a lot of podcasts. I think the acquisitions will be good for Spotify. They'll probably be good for the companies that that got acquired. Uh, you know, they they both have to do with uh, metrics surrounding ads, uh, and advertising is uh, you know a thing that podcasts use uh, to make some money. Although in the case of most independent podcasters, what they make from their ads and sponsors is basically enough to pay the hosting fees. Um, and anybody, I mean, I've been around the podcasting world since 2005 and, and, you know, every few years there's this notion that gets out there that like start a podcast, get rich quick. And that is so far from the truth. Uh, but uh, I don't listen to Spotify at all. I can't imagine that I will start doing so. So even if they, even if these platforms are uh, helping sharing podcasts out there, Jonathan, you've mm-hmm. had this podcast for a while. So would you be happy for your podcast to be on any one of these platforms that they've produced? And Spotify, are you happy to be on Spotify as a WTON yeah. podcast? Well, yes. The only, the only the controversial people. Well, I'm, I'm pretty in the WordPress space. I'm pretty controversial myself, so um, there's certain people in the WordPress that won't even talk to me. But uh, uh, um, but that's their problem, isn't it? <laughs> uh, um, uh, I'm not. It doesn't stop me from sleeping. Put it that way. Uh, um, um, well, the only concern is, you know, obviously the technology behind podcasting is the RSS feed. It's open protocol. Um, there's been some concerns that some of these platforms have been, um, like all open protocols, they've been adapting it because it's a bit linked to our first story about and also Spencer's observations. You know, open protocols always sound fantastic. The benefits are there. But when it comes to the business side of it, Businesses want to make their services and products sticky. They want to make sure that people don't leave. And so what some people, some of these platforms, I don't think Spotify has been one of them, but a couple others, they've been modifying the RSS feed and they've been making it difficult. Um, There's been consequences of that. So that's a slight concern. Um, the good news, you know, obviously Castos sponsors. The good news panel is Castos has agreed to be the sponsor, the major sponsor of the show for another year. Uh, um, Craig, Craig is a great CEO, and I actually think what he's done with Castos in the WordPress space is very unique and interesting. What he's done, so you should get a hundred million dollar bonus. He, yeah, he's a great guy. No, I'm not saying it because but I actually believe in Castos and, and what they've been trying to build. Um, but that is the, con- the only concern about all this is, you know, some platforms have been trying to turn a open source, an uh, open protocol. Into gated in- content. Yes. Really? Yeah. So, Spencer, you've, you've got very strong views on that. Uh, gated content, either positive or negative. What do you reckon about these acquisitions and how will it affect the way people listen to to Spotify, to podcasts and generally getting their word out there like we try and do every week to at least one person? I mean, it's really simple to understand. First of all, 
the, the content on Spotify is mostly available elsewhere anyway for free. I mean, all Joe Rogan stuff is out there. Howard Stern on satellite radio is not available for free in as easy a way. You can find it, but you have to dig around for it. So, for example, the content isn't the issue. The interface is just an interface. But the real thing underlying it, and my sister's been a professional broadcaster and TV personality her whole professional life. So you got to understand the mindset of people in terrestrial radio because it's the same application here. They, they make a template. They then apply it to a jillion markets. There are 8 million different markets, but they're all basically owned by one or two companies now. Spotify is doing what really is necessary is they're consolidating a bunch of smaller companies and interfaces because that's how you grow. And whether you pay or not is up to you because that uh, essentially is like that whole thing I talked about last couple of weeks. My kids are here. We have five of those stations like HBO, Disney Plus, Paramount, Hulu, whatever. And you know what? I'm fine paying for it because basically it's like seven to 14 bucks each. I just pay it and we always know there's something on somewhere. And I think that's what's happening here is that whomever has the most content in an interface will get the most likely people to pay, you know, recurring, even minimal subscription to, to listen without. The one thing that I do pay for on my iPhone is YouTube Plus. And I pay for that because the ads would otherwise put me around the bend. But as a benefit of that, I do get the uh, music and I get a couple other things that I can save, which quite frankly, I use Spotify, but I pay nothing for it because if I really need it, I'll just use it on YouTube Plus. Yeah, yeah I think on YouTube Plus as well, as a creator, you can um, monetize it. You can ask people to subscribe to your feed and live feeds. Yeah, and all that yeah. I mean... Yeah, it's crazy. It's my, my, nephew who, my nephew who developed the Comlove plugin, which, which in its heyday had a million active downloads, got MS, um, multiple sclerosis. So he, about 15 years ago, got... Um, diagnosed with that and, and obviously it's a it's a downhill uh, road on that but i was watching his uh live feed the other day and i didn't realize he's got over 300 subscribers that are giving him five quid a month which is right. helping him you know do his life so he's paying a very very small amount of money to youtube to be a, a you know it, it, he's making money out of it it's, ba it's it's basically paying for his um yeah i think um I think people can monetize things like that. I think yeah. another interesting concept was I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about, you know, the problems Facebook is facing. But then they were saying, when you look at YouTube and how they their, um, how they share money through creators, they have their own controversions. And, but it's interesting, which other social media platforms or other platforms haven't shared, it's something that maybe they should look at because um, I think that's one of the, you know, when you get, when you're building a media platform, providing content, contact, content, it, unless you've got a uh, advertising model that shares profits to those providers, kind of doing it the more traditional way becomes very, very expensive, you know, um, um, and you're, you've got the risk that, now I think Apple's faced that, I think, you know, well, you know, Disney share price has gone up enormously because they've got this catalogue of, of, of um, older programming and that, but even though they tend to, with the Star Wars franchise, they're just kind of, knocking out these films and to some extent yeah, they won't i mean they paid they paid hundreds of millions of dollars for that they won't show a profit on that for 10 years i mean you know it's, it doesn't matter how much money they try 5.99 or seven dollars or whatever for disney plus what where facebook have missed out is like you say they've they've missed out on the fact that they can't monetize um creators tiktok monetize re uh, creators as well they've they've really stolen the march on facebook on that youtube obviously they've they've um been giving away money for years google adsense as well you know you can earn money from adsense so facebook needs to do a, a little catch up on that but how then as we as creators of say a podcast jonathan you you've created this podcast 
could you monetize it on Spotify in a very similar way? Would you would you take an opportunity to monetize? Your, of course you would. You know, he's grinning like a Cheshire cat there at the fact that he could monetize it, even though you've got generous sponsors like Castus and others. Um, well, they just come for they just come for you can monetize stuff on Spotify, oh, but it seems like most people make chump change. Yeah, it's just Castos and also Spencer's company, uh, Spencer, and your your support, Andrew. It's very welcome, and it does cover cover the expense of doing this podcasting, but it doesn't. Um, it certainly won't pay for my pension. That's for sure. Uh, oh, no, because you're, you you know you go skiing a lot, but you know the thing is is that you've you've got um. The, the opportunity for all of us as creators to try and monetize it, and I've spoken at length with this with Spencer and Stephanie as well, with how do we monetize our skill set and our advice and our, um, you know, is it an LMS that we need? No, not really. I don't want to commit to an LMS because, um, you know, all certain things, you know, I do coaching, so I manage to get paid for that most of the time. Um, but with things like Spotify and YouTube and all of the social medias, if they give us an opportunity as creators to earn a living, then I, I, what I'm concerned about with Spotify is the controversy surrounding whether rightly or wrongly of their creators that they've paid a hundred million plus for, would that take away listeners listeners from our own platforms if we put them onto Spotify and, or try to get them onto Spotify? What do you think, Sharon, as a as a person in the in the creative business and talking to customers all the time about trying to make money out of their websites? And you specialize in WooCommerce, right? I've, I've noticed on your your website you recommend WooCommerce plugins. What do you think your customer? How do you think your customers would feel about? listening to a podcast that you were on and then all of a sudden an advert came on for a controversial um, podcaster? Well, um, I would say most of my, my customers probably wouldn't be listening to me. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, uh, I mean, I'm trying to get them in a different spot, but most of my clients, they're, they're big you know, they're too busy to probably listen to somebody like me, but they do listen to my advice quite a bit in using WooCommerce and building it out. But uh, my audience, I would say, would be towards uh, teaching people WooCommerce and, uh, you know, uh, educating them on how to use other products with it. So that wouldn't be really, my clients expect me to build their website and help them, but they're not wanting to really take care of it. So, you know, that's, it's kind of a different audience. You know, I would have to be two different people <laughs> on a podcast and that's not, yeah. that's definitely not where I'm heading. <laughs> so Heather, you, I know because I've, I've had a cocktail or two with your, you and your husband, and I know that your husband has got a passive income learning system. How's that going? And, and would that be... <laughs> transportable to a podcast or is it too too graphic so um basically i mean he he makes a lot of money by having hopped onto somebody's platform i mean like spotify um i mean plural site is where developers go to learn um how to be better developers and I mean, so they're the Spotify of, of developers. And so if Spotify, I mean, if, if Pluralsight were to start like doing things that turned off their enterprise clients, um, I mean, he, he might, I mean, if, if it affected his bottom line, he would start thinking about that. But as far as like creating content on other sites, I mean, he's on uh, Udemy, he's on other sites as well. But I mean, the the cow is Pluralsight. So, I mean no matter what the other sites are, um, the, it's the main one. So, I mean, just like Joe Rogan, just like all the main content creators, you have to like, you have to deal with whatever your cash cow <laughs> is bringing in. Sure. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. And, it, and you have to, you have to have that, that mental capacity to say, you know what, I'm making some money off this, but then you've got it. It's like, it's like really having dinner with a vegan, isn't it? Sometimes when you, when you're, you're eating your steak and you're, looking at this these laser beams looking at you eating this steak if if people have don't agree with the platform or the people that are on the platform they kind of 
they say, well, why are you on that? You know, you're, you're basically endorsing these, these well, horrible people. But I mean, as a creator, I mean, I love how there's all of these images that they put up of like where their royalty earnings are coming from. And you see that it's like, I'm making five cents from Napster. I'm making like eight cents from this. I mean, and, and this is like, Jay-Z is like posting this stuff and he's like, I'm making this, 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 and like Spotify, $1 million a month. Yeah. So like, I don't care. I'm like, I mean, so it's a big deal when, when somebody like somebody big that you will be listening to decides to leave Spotify. Um, But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they come back because there's nowhere else that people are listening. Yeah. Spencer, you've got a few things to say. I'm going to, I'm going to kill it with you on this one. What do you reckon onto this? Because I, I, I know you've commented, but I, I just want a, a bit more out of you, buddy, on this one. About the Spotify thing? Yeah. I mean, basically, I think it's just going to move forward in a place where the technology of podcasts, they're so ubiquitous. That's my $5 word. I mean, there's just so many tools to listen. So it really just boils down to whether you can get the content here, there, or anywhere. And I think for many of us, it'll just aggregate into whatever simplest. I personally would love it. We've talked about this before. If there was one subscription I could pay to access all the stuff from everywhere. <laughs> but that's a dream, right? Like, that's never going to happen. I also would like to know how Matthew and Heather's uh, admission into the self-driving Tesla car thing is working out. Are you driving the car? Are you parking it? The car is driving itself. Like, is it parking itself? I, I saw his article about your... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, what we could make that an article next week. <laughs> That'd be good. Speaking of technology moving forward, they got the Tesla with the self-driving car beta program. And when you think about, like, where we're talking today, we can talk about 10 years, 15 years ago, Flash. Let's debate Adobe Flash versus Dreamweaver, right? <laughs> the conversation moved on. In five years from now... All the cars will drive themselves and park themselves. And all this stuff about Spotify, Shmodify, it makes no difference because we'll have, we'll have the neural implant that will we'll stop working like the other story we're not going to talk about. I think one of my opinions, Spencer, you already had the, the, what I saw yesterday, you already have had the neural implant. <laughs> I, would love, I, would love to, to be, I would love to be like a neural implant where I can just lay in my couch and like transmit my thoughts to you, Jonathan, 24-7 here on the show. And, uh, and then and what happens when it suddenly starts upgrading in the middle of something critical? I mean, well, I actually, think that's, a nice little segue here, people. Because what happens happens when the technology that we're using to improve our lives and we become reliant on it becomes obsolete either through the technology company going bust or through the technology company moving on. This uh, this next article there, bionic eyes are now obsolete and unsupported. Sally, what do you reckon? You wear glasses Uh, bionic eyes one day? Uh, do I want bionic eyes? Well, not particularly, but, uh, it depends, uh, on whether I need them. Uh, I mean, they, I didn't see this, uh, article until just this morning. Uh, but it is the issue that comes up whenever I think about implanted tech is, you know, is it going to become obsolete? Is it going to go bad in some way? Is it going to, because, I mean, you know, like you watch Star Wars and in some ways the most unrealistic thing is that like they have the same droids for like a jillion years and and, and they keep working and don't become obsolescent. Uh, like the, the tech never seems to upgrade. That, that just seems quite unnatural. Uh, and so that would be, you know, that would be the thing that I would, would, worry about and and where what you would probably want you know in your head if you're having things stuck in your brain which you know i'm too squeamish to wear earrings um (laughs) it would be like the socket so that whatever you were using could be easily replaced i get it and well i'm i'm that you might have heard a giggle listeners and it's the reason i put on my facebook glasses i don't think i don't think you need an implant you just have a have a wearable you know we've we've had apple watches who you know can take our heart rate we've got wearable facebook glasses which i've got on at the moment and i'm not such, recording such a sexy anymore. look edge you can't even believe how I good i you look were right? you cannot believe how people. good i look stephanie say that again sorry i thought you were pretending that you were blind with your glasses on 
well no that's just that would just be the lowest of the low not even i'm that low but i'm going to have a real opportunity um soon to check out those facebook glasses so i'm I... looking forward to that and stephanie have you got any wearable tech that you wear that, that may go obsolete um... on you I don't have anything implanted in me at the moment, no. But I, um, this article is, <laughs> this article is crazy because, like, if, for those listening, if you didn't read it, there was a woman who had this implanted, you know, this retin, retina implant to help her see. Now, they can't just see regular, like, you know, if they were sighted, but it's giving them freedom of movement and things. And she, the woman was in the subway, like, about to change trains and her thing beeped and just shut off like her eye her vision just shut off and there's nothing she can do about it like i mean it's just ridiculous but the the tech is uh i think it's rudimentary for where it will get to but it's still remarkable jonathan i had the best idea you know what this company needs they need elizabeth holmes <laughs> because <laughs> Because, hear me you do, out. You do her accent again. Hear me out. They need me. They, she made so much money and grew a company so huge with something that never even worked. Imagine all the people she could help if she got behind something that actually worked. Because this company has something that is making people's lives better. And they just went bust. And, like, and people are just left with defunct implants in their bodies that, like... They can't get upgrades. They can't get them fixed. They can't, you know, like there's people that can see, you know, in, in a certain way, right? This guy can see, but he knows full well the second something breaks on that implant, he's just toast. And that I just think that's horrible. Ugh. Isn't that the same as driving your Tesla car with, a, with auto drive and um, relying on it and reading a book, um, <laughs> Heather, and maybe crashing into something or somebody? Is that not, do uh, not have that kind of, angst uh well i would never read a book while i'm driving the car i mean even if the car's driving me like you still have to nanny it like you still have, <laughs> you have to, to nanny. you have to pay attention like it's a student driver um sometimes like just yesterday um it was supposed to turn right and like it automatically like went all the way into the left lane and we're like why did you do that tesla and like sometimes we're like all right well we'll let you we'll let you do what you want to do because maybe you're avoiding traffic but i mean it clearly had the right blinker on and then cut across four lanes of traffic to turn left and we're like i don't think you meant to do that <laughs> did you have it i, I had you... a gps that suggested i make a u-turn on a bridge with a concrete divider Huh. Oh, I was driving. Maybe. I was driving my my ten year old daughter in it, and I had a I had a Chrysler Cruiser at the time with the with the sat nav on, and she was she's a very young girl sitting sitting um, in the back seat legally, and the GPS said turn left, and she went, Daddy, please don't turn left. We'll drown because it was the taken us into the Thames. <laughs> it would have taken us into the river. Please don't turn left, Daddy. So it was good. So, so these things, Jonathan. Do you think this technology? Can I say something really quick? I just, I just want to say that I think, Heather, maybe you had your car in mom mode where it's like you have the right blinker on and then you go, oh, no, right there. Or maybe it'll just leave the blinker on for like 10 miles, like dad mode. You know what I mean? Like that's what Tesla probably did. Yeah, but I mean, we've, we've got with car jokes, we've got whenever anybody's sitting in the front seat and they're telling me what to how to drive, I generally tell them if you want to. If you want to drive this car, get in the back, right? Because that's not, that's kind of normal. Jonathan, the, the, the deprecation or the, the 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 bankruptcy of these companies, lovely technology companies that have helped people with disabilities. There's a lot of them. Um, they go bust. They don't get the right investment. Is that because society doesn't care? The investment society doesn't care. They don't see the value in those investments. What do you think? Well, I don't really know about that, but I know. I know there's been other, when it comes to medical devices, there were, there's been circumstances around um, artificial hearts and other implant technology where the company has gone into liquid, you know, gone bust. And then um, they're literally, the person's faced another major operation because they're going to have to put another device in or whatever. But there, you know, there is um, there is interesting. Obviously, I'm I'm sure these people were told that this was experimental technology. That they, I'm sure the lawyers got them to sign their 
you know, a thousand clause contract. But um, it is a sad, like what Stephanie said, it's still a sad story. You would have thought maybe maybe Tim Cook can give like the odd 10 million to him to keep going. If you're listening, Tim, I know, I know, you know, it's difficult to get the wallet out, Tim, but maybe you can give them the odd 10 million or um, Eon or somebody. Maybe Heaven knows a couple of billionaires that can give them the odd 10 million. Uh, Rob, uh, Rob, so, I'm sorry, Heaven. Uh, Rob, uh, some news change. Uh, Rob, I'd uh, help him out because it is a quite sad story, isn't it? It is really right. Moving on, because we're running out of time. Yeah, we need to get the it's recommendation time. So Sharon, if you don't know, we we get we like to have some recommendations and you probably weren't warned of it. So I'll let I'll leave it for you to have you have you got a recommendation? I do. You have, right, you go ahead with that recommendation and we'll get Spencer to put it into Slack. I do for my DIY WooCommerce users that are looking to add on to their Elementor, I would suggest uh, using Briefcase WP for their WooCommerce Elementor add-on. Nice. We'll go go with that. Stephanie, what have you got? You've got you've actually got a recommendation this week. What's what's, what's going on with you? You're actually what do you mean? I actually paying attention. One. Crazy. I always have a recommendation. Um, I am recommending. Since we've been talking about podcasts and things like that, um, there's an, an app called Readings Catcher, readingscatcher.com, and it ca- it goes and scoops up, like, for the podcast, the Divi Chat podcast that I'm on and other things like that. You know, people can leave reviews in their Apple um, podcast app. They can leave them on Spotify. They can leave them in all these different places, and if you don't go and check all of those things, you can miss them. So. That um, scrapes them all together and puts them in one place where you can uh, see all the lovely things people are saying about you. Brilliant. Spencer, what you got? Um, I've got <clears throat> a thing I picked up called Music Mode for YouTube. It's a Chrome extension that, as we were speaking about this just coincidentally, a lot of times there's great video that I want to listen to, but I'm walking on my iPhone, and even though I have 5G, blah, 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 it's like I can't see the video anyway. So what this does is blocks the video, but lets you keep the audio going. And as a result, if you wanted to save it or store it or just not like stream video for no reason, let you do it. And it has some other like side benefits, but it's a, it's a neat little gimmick to throw into your browser if you want to use YouTube for content. And by the way, like I play music, uh, for fun, and I also love to listen to myself. Like YouTube has every single song ever. So even though there's lots of other ways to get a song, I mean, just type the song, and there's 800 versions of it available, almost without exception. If it's a Chrome brow- a Chrome extension, can you do it on your iPhone? You know, I think you have to use this one with Chrome, but you can do it like when you're playing on my iPhone, at least. I'm sure on Android, you can just have the Chrome browser, run it. And then when you oh, turn okay. off the screen, it lets the browser still play, you know, without. I like to use Safari in any way. Heather, what you got? So uh, I'm uh, my recommendation is to come visit me when I'm in London uh, in May for DevX UK, which is a great developer conference. It's a polyglot conference. So um, if you are wanting to learn React uh, for WordPress, uh, definitely come. Perfect. What date? What date? Oh, you've got, you've got, have you got the dates in the link? Yes, it is uh, May 11th to 13th. Yeah. Are you speaking? I am. I'm speaking on uh, how to work in the metaverse and uh, also Ooh. how uh, not to uh, be a, a tech bro. Well, there's a, there's a certain person that will be appearing if, to see you speak, so that, that's guaranteed. Jonathan Denwood, what you got? Yeah, i got a book that um, has influenced me highly over the years. It's The Last Temptation of Christ. I'm going to make Sally laugh now. I'm going to try and pronounce the author's name, Nikos Kakakakis. Oh, God, have I butchered that? <laughs> really butchered that. But, uh, um It's really a, a really, really interesting book. Brilliant. Sally Getch. She's on the phone. Yeah, she's she's talking to Matt. We might have to do that. So my recommendation this week has come from three separate people. So I've got to do it. The first one was Stephanie Hudson a little while ago, as I was reminded of. And uh, the second time I saw it, it's Carl Van Dusen did it. And but actually Alicia was the one that um, allowed this to come out. And it's basically 
um, a process kit for people. So if you've got any processes in your business, it kind of just allows you to um, put your process into screen grabs and text and everything. It's called tango.us. Can have a look at that. It's quite an interesting and it's, it's free. Really handy. It is, it is one of those free things. And my I heard about it this morning and I have put an instruction to all my developers. This is how we now do documentation because it's just going to be so it easy. And uh, and I love it. And Sally's off the phone now, so she can do her recommendation. Uh, yes. We, um, yes. In, in, in honor of, uh, uh, of Heather, I'd like to recommend a Figma plugin called Design Tokens, which lets you export your Figma designs to JSON. And uh, with a little tinkering, apparently, you can import that as your theme JSON file for a full-site editing theme. Um, so uh, uh, the, one of the people working on it is Bill Erickson, who is well-known in the Word, WordPress world. So if you're interested in that, you can just ping him. He is at Bill Erickson on Twitter. Yeah, please put all your Spencer. Hopefully, you're putting all these yeah, recommendations. working hard. He's, he's working hard. He's doing it all right. It just leaves me to say, say, say thanks, Sharon, for. I don't have selling for coming to the uh, WP Tonic podcast and uh, bearing with us. I hope you enjoyed it. It hasn't been uh, too controversial today, but Jonathan hasn't sworn once, which is just incredible to me. <laughs> I don't have uh, occasional. Yeah, episodes. Yeah, I'm going through it. And thanks to Heather, Sally, Stephanie, Spencer, and of course, Jonathan for allowing me to host this. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.